been a mixed bag for sports apparel retailers so far this holiday season. We could be headed toward college football chaos. And later on, we'll get an inside look at the negotiations that led to the transformative NWSL media rights deals. It's Monday, November 27th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. It is the time of year where retailers assess where they're at and hope for a huge influx of sales and sports apparel companies are no exception. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. So we haven't checked in on the sports apparel world recently on the show. What's the landscape looking like as we head into the holiday season? The landscape right now is... Um some concern. There's some concern within the category, and then there's some concern broadly. The concern within the category is a lot of the companies uh, that were sort of darlings during the pandemic, things have slowed recently. The Q2, Q3 uh, earnings reports by a lot of the big players, your Nikes, Adidas's, Under Armour's, Pumas, Dick's and the like, Foot Locker, um, they're pretty downcast in a lot of respects, uh, missed projections, lower earnings, those kinds of things where the vibe within the category is down. But then looking more broadly as to the overall ho- uh, holiday shopping season, there's bigger concerns out there as well relative to interest rates and inflation and general uh, consumer confidence in the economy. Uh, so it's sort of a one-two punch. Yeah, this will be an interesting couple of months because I've, I've been seeing this headline over and over again where you look at the numbers, the economy's pretty good. You look at consumer sentiment and people are feeling like, you know, they're they're feeling tight, they're feeling like things cost too much. And so how much do we know how much of this is just the macroeconomic environment and how much of this is sports apparel retailers? It's a little bit of both. The, the answer is complex. And I think the the front part of that relating to the economy, you raise a good point that, um, you know, we've had almost three years of unbroken month after month job growth writ large in the United States. Um, but yet there's still a lot of concern about cons- uh, among consumers in terms of their ability to make ends meet and so forth. Uh, but then within the category there's a lot of issues relating to inventory control and discounting and margins and such because a lot of these companies loaded up on stuff that was moving really well during the pandemic. Things like home fitness equipment and tennis uh, rackets and golf clubs and things that you you know were really popular during the pandemic. Well, the world has changed a little bit and so have consumer demands and, and the companies in a lot of respects are trying to catch up with that. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important piece where you know, these companies, it really matters to them to be able to get a pretty good guess on how much inventory they need. And yeah, the pandemic really messed with that dial a whole lot. Yeah, as there's huge influx and yeah, and things like racket sports and golf and um, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, home fitness. Dick Sporting Goods recently published some their latest earnings report. What did we learn from that? They were a little better off. Um, They had a very rough Q2 um, where their numbers were down and during the summer were uh, targeting a lot of issues with uh, shoplifting, theft in their stores. Uh, This latest report for Q3 was better and they actually came out better than analyst projections. But even they, uh, as they were going through the uh, report with the analysts, it's like, yeah, we're, you know, things are better and we're looking forward to a good holiday season, but we're kind of keeping an eye on the macro economy because there's a lot of caution there and consumers have been through a lot. And so, um, again, it's sort of like good, but 
Mm-hmm. And, and as all this plays out, are there any particular indicators that you'll be watching for, you know, as this un- unfolds? So the the holiday shopping season has been become sort of a sandwich where this Thanksgiving week, uh, you know, starting with Black Friday, please free Black Friday into Cyber Monday, you've got sort of a big front end push where that gives some early indicators. And then there's a big lull. And then usually you have another huge influx in the last week or so, five days before Christmas. And so um, in a lot of respects, the the um, the holiday shopping season has become a, a bit of a, uh, a sandwich in that respect. So, you know, certainly going to be looking out for these early numbers from the, you know, first four or five days in and around Thanksgiving and again into Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And then probably going to have to hold off uh, making any big conclusions until we get much deeper into December. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. We have one week left in the college football season, and those of you who like chaos have plenty to root for. After Michigan beat Ohio State in a Clash of the Titans on Saturday, in the Power Five conferences, we have four undefeated teams, Michigan, Florida State, Georgia, and Washington, and we have four teams with one loss, Ohio State, Oregon, Alabama, and Texas. If Oregon defeats Washington in the last ever Pac-12 championship and Alabama beats Georgia, that already gives us four teams with one loss. Michigan and Florida State will either finish undefeated or with one loss, and it's reasonably likely that Alabama and Texas also finish with one loss, and that's going to present a challenge for the college football playoff committee to pick four teams out of that mess. And there are real consequences for whichever teams they choose. Conferences get $6 million for each team selected to the CFP. They differ on how much money they pass along to the teams, but depending on the conference, a team can earn over $2 million for being selected. This... This particular dilemma won't be a thing next year when the college football playoff expands to 12 teams, but the more teams you add, the more marginal decisions you have about who is in and who is out, so chaos is likely to be the norm going forward. The Formula One season ended on Sunday in Abu Dhabi with yet another Red Bull victory. The team put up one of the most dominant seasons in the history of the sport, finishing with 860 points, which was more than the second and third place teams combined. Max Verstappen won an incredible 19 of the 22 races, which is a record. And yet, even though the race for first was not competitive, and honestly, it's unlikely to be much different next season, there was an intense race for second, with Mercedes barely edging out Ferrari. Why does second place matter? Well, in F1, every place matters. Teams split 45% of the total revenue earned by the series, and that distribution is based on where they finished. We don't have final revenue figures for this year, but last season they split around a billion dollars, which applied to this year would mean Red Bull gets 140 million, Mercedes would get around 131 million, 9 million more than third place Ferrari. But those numbers are likely an underestimate. Through the first three quarters of this year, Formula One earned 173 million more than it did over that same period last year, and that's before factoring in the impact of the final races, which includes the first ever Las Vegas Grand Prix. As for Verstappen, he's just 25 and earns $55 million per year on a contract that runs through 2028. But there are murmurs that he might retire from F1 after 2025, in part to focus on his efforts to set up a GT3 racing team. Every other F1 team wouldn't mind seeing him go. Up next, 
the NWSL recently signed a set of media rights deals with CBS, ESPN, Prime Video, and Script Sports for $240 million over four years. This is going to transform the league and make a huge difference in helping that league deliver on the potential we've been hearing about for years. I spoke to Hillary Mandel, Executive Vice President at IMG, who helped negotiate those deals, and she provides some rare insight into what actually goes on in these media talks. That conversation is coming up next. All right, very excited to be joined now by Hillary Mandel, Executive Vice President and Head of the Americas for Media at IMG. Welcome, Hillary. Hello, Owen. So IMG helps negotiate the recent NWSL media rights deal that um, it's $60 million per year over four years collectively to with CBS, ESPN, Amazon, and Scripps. I'm very curious to talk to you about this because from an outsider perspective, these deals are, it's kind of these, it's sort of a black box. A bunch of people go in to the room, they come out, there's a a media deal that gets announced. What point does IMG come in, in these media rights deals? Is it right at the beginning or a little bit into the process? We, um, we, and and I, let me, let me define the we here. Um, we, we have a team, um, myself, uh, Karen Brockin, who's the co-head of WME Sports, Andrew Dempsey, who's our vice president of media in US and Canada, and a team below them. I think we come in at the beginning, Owen, and I think it all starts with strategy. Maybe people forget that piece because everybody's so focused on the the dollar outcome. But I think at the very beginning, there's a lot about strategy and and there's a lot about trying to understand what are the NWSL's objectives? Beyond that very important financial uh, piece, the economics, which we don't underestimate how crucial they are, what else are they trying to achieve? Um, Really coming in, you know, in more of an advisory and consulting capacity using a lot of the strengths that I think we as a company bring, because we're not singular, right? We're really with multiple, you know, lots of muscle across the board in all things, you know, that sort of drive sports property. Um, and when we take a very broad view, we'll, we help then narrow in and define objectives. And in the case of media for these guys, um, I think right up front, you know, we looked at kind of the big buckets, right? Um, no doubt that economics were crucial. I mean, this league can't grow if they're not invested in that. That is the the fundamental principle, I think, that you you know, we you can't build it <laughs> if you don't invest in it. That's really been you know one of the problems this league has had. But beyond that, um, I think we identified uh, a problem and therefore a solution, which was reach. Um, fans have to be able to find this sport. We know fundamentally that the NWSL is comprised of, you know, the best women athletes in the in the sport of soccer or football, if we're talking a, on a world basis. Um, but people couldn't find it. And, and you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and, and if you really want to grow your fandom, it's pretty simple. You have to figure out, um, you know, you ha- your content has to be available Um very accessible um, with the least number of, you know, walls in front of it for fans to find it and fall in love with it and and become lifelong fans. So that was the objective. And then you want to pick partners that, um, you know, are really relevant to sport and and pick a partner or partners that can bring something to the sport that is missing 
uh, currently. And I think that those were the objectives. And that's how we really thought about it when we went into the marketplace. Yeah. And let's take that frame and get specific about who you end up with. So CBS, ESPN, Amazon, Scripps. So you've got your, your, your mainstream broadcaster in CBS, your sort of main cable sports broadcaster in ESPN. You've got a streaming service in Amazon and you have over the air with Scripps. Are those your your basic, you know, the ingredients you, you want to bake into that cake for you know, media rights for this, but also just for any sports property? Um, the answer is yes. And, and I think the, you're going to see kind of on the tail of this deal, um, you will not, I will not be surprised, nor should you be surprised that I think some of the next big deals that are announced are also going to have multiple partners. I, I think that there's like s- some sound reasoning why that is the case. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly talking about, uh, NASCAR, uh, in the marketplace right now, a lot of conversation about the NBA. Um, I think it feels very likely that they are going to have certainly more than two partners that they currently have now. And, you know, two could turn into four. Um, I think that what is clear, again, if you're really trying to, if, if it's all about reach and reach is really all about fandom, right? It all, it's all connected. Um, I think that the way that um, the platforms are distinguishing themselves today comes with a certain uh, muscle and expertise and it comes with a certain audience. And, you know, it, what's clear is, and you can look at some of the biggest properties um, that the NWSL would like to stand shoulder to shoulder with, right? Other leagues in this country, um, NFL, NBA, MLB, big uh, free-to-air broadcast is critical. Like that is kind of the the widest reach that you can get. And you know, having CBS come in with an all broadcast package is is the best. You know, what else can you say if you start with that as a foundation and making sure that you know your postseason kind of you know what is the penultimate is all on broadcast television. I think that was the box that had to be checked. But you know. Then you, you know, look at the cable universe, look at ESPN. Um, I think today it's, it's hard to almost be a sport and not, to, you're almost kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage if you're not on ESPN. Because what ESPN does, unlike any other platform, is um, they bring certainly distribution and reach on ESPN, but they bring that flywheel. They bring that, they bring the ability to market to a universe that is expecting to hear about and learn about, you know, that which is the, you know, the best in sports. So bringing ESPN uh, to the table for the NWSL is the kind of the seal of approval um, that we are that legitimate sport that we know that we are, that we need to tell the rest of the country and the world is the case. Um, we know that uh, Amazon has proven this on Thursday nights, that's for sure. You've seen how the demographic, you know, they're bringing in a younger fan. That, that's the streaming world and it cannot be ignored. And you have to, um, I think you have to lean in. And, and we recognize there was no other way to do that. And I mean, we're the sec- effectively owned, we're the second deal that, ES, that Amazon has done um, following the Thursday night NFL package. That's pretty good company. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about, um, you know, what Amazon sees as the potential and the future of this sport and, and what they can bring to it, again, with their original uh, take 
on uh, editorial and production, which I have to say is really true with all four of our partners. Um, unique voice, unique audience, uh, again, giving fans uh, every which way to, um, I think, consume, we call it like kind of get hooked on the NWSL. And uh, I think that's what we're playing into. What Amazon and NW and Scripps Ion, which again, you know, we've watched what they've done with the WNBA. The numbers are impressive. The um, they are definitely cultivating a really leaning into the women's sports um, category. Um, what they're giving, what both are providing us is appointment television. I mean, you know, like fans need to know that. Um, uh, if it's Thursday night, it's football. If it's Sunday night, it's, it's NFL and so forth. That appointment television is another critical way to get fans to, you know, up through the gate. And I think both of them will be helpful in that. So, yes, I think it's a lot of um, checking of the boxes. But I think the critical piece of this deal is it's not just the, the, the money for sure, but it is the marketing and it's the agreement that you heard last week that these four partners, you know, kind of hand hand to heart, um, are committed to working together to market this, you know, as kind of one property. So that again, ensuring everybody else's success, which I think really speaks to the league. I think it speaks to you know what you know uh, Commissioner Berman, Jessica Berman's kind of vision is, uh, and. and accomplished it. We, we feel like we did, we, we delivered what we promised and uh, that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I am wondering about, I mean, you mentioned sort of the, the future growth of this league. If you talk to people about what's growing in sports, it's women's sports and it's soccer in the U S are probably the first two things you're going to hear. Um, I'm wondering, it feels like arriving at the dollar amount is always a tricky thing because there's always future projection baked in there. It feels like that's more of a, a factor with this particular deal. How do you get to a number where everyone says, okay, this feels like it's close enough to the right number? You'll appreciate this. Um, I think that properties never feel like they got the right number. <laughs> I think that, I think that media companies feel like they've never paid, they've paid more than they were supposed to. So I think that uh, to answer your question, nobody ever feels like they got to the right number. Um, you know, but there's certainly uh, on each side of the equation, there's definitely elements that um, can be modeled. And if, you know, you can look at this economically, you can try to understand whatever the platform is, what is, um, a healthy PL look like for that property, uh, whether or not you're trying to sell subscriptions, whether or not you're trying to sell ads. Uh, I think all of that comes to play. And, you know, this is again fairly straightforward. There's a mathematical look, um, and, and you can get there. But there's also, uh, to some degree, uh, a competitive aspect, like anything. If you, um, you know, that's certainly what has driven to some degree some of the, um, you know, deals that, you know, you report on. And, and I think that that's an ingredient as well. So I, I, I think it's all of those. And then to some degree, um, what are you solving for? You know, there's sometimes a media company needs something um, more than necessarily how it pans out because it is, you know, part of a portfolio. I mean, I, look, I think that in, the, in this women's sports um when you call it category, certainly just in the overall um, acquisition of women's sports, I think companies like our partners are stepping up and saying as much for their own brand, 
we believed that we that these sports are worthy of elevation and that if we don't elevate them, they're not going to grow. So I think that sits even outside of, uh, you know, kind of a spreadsheet, but ultimately uh, can get factored in if that's, again, competitively where there are a lot of, uh, you know, bodies clamoring for that property. So I think all of that uh, comes to bear. And I'll give you the last one that absolutely, um, I think, influenced these deals, and that's sponsorship. And I think what we saw and what we brought to the table uh, are our official sponsors raising their hands, saying, if you build it, we will come. And, and you know, getting in front of it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, one of uh, the official partners of the NWSL is Allied Financial, uh, led by, you know, uh, CMO Andrew Brimmer. And she has not been bashful in uh, saying how where she wants to spend her money and we've seen what she was she's doing in college basketball and what she's been doing with ESPN and so forth. And when you get sponsors kind of in the room, in the conversation at the front end saying, you know, this is important to us and we will be there. I think that has a massive impact on uh, the desirability and the willingness for our partners to take some risk with this property. Right. And it seems like that lowers the risk if if there's already people at the table saying, you know, absolutely. Once, yeah, <laughs> once you're in, we're in. Right. But again, but you're, you're picking up on something, Owen. Every every stakeholder in this sport is kind of has to kind of believe in this enough to say, um, you know, if we all do what we say we're going to do, this thing is going to grow because they ultimately they believe in the construct of the they, they believe in the athleticism. They believe in the game. They believe in what they're seeing, what owners are telling them, you know, you, you, what are the outside factors? The fact that, you know, expansion is happening and, you know, they're turning <laughs> they're turning groups down and you see what these valuations are. I think those are all um, signals. Right. These are all, you know, reading the tea leaves that um the trajectory is really strong and high. And so, yeah, a lot of those dominoes kind of lead up to this media rights mm-hmm. deal. Now that, you know, we've got $60 million coming in for the next four years. What, what would you say are the next dominoes that get pushed over because of that? Well, I mean, you know, now you're getting kind of into, you know, what is the business of the NWSL in terms of, you know, how, how they use that investment. I mean, I think, you're going to see, I know you're going to see it in terms of the game. You know that there's a lot of pressure on this league as it should be to uh, turn their attention to building stadiums where they can be the front tenant and not kind of be like last in line on buildings where they're already taken. I think that's wildly important. Um, uh, And I just think being able to invest now in the, and I would say keep the standard of, fielding teams that have the world's best athletes, which means looking beyond the U.S. and making sure that we stay competitive with the rest of the world. Uh, I think you're going to see all of that investment and more. And and certainly, um, you know, uh, Jessica can speak to that, too, and and, and give you what the, the real plans are. But this is definitely a jumping off point for sure. Hilary Mandel, fantastic insights. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Oh, and my pleasure. Nice to be with you, too. Take care. That is it for today. Subscribe to Front Office Sports Today or tell a friend about the show. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow.